Hi everyone, and welcome to the Marvelous Pod Podcast Pod, where we're going to be talking about Spider-Man No Way Home, and probably worth saying from the beginning, we're going to be talking all about Spider-Man No Way Home. So there's a lot to find out about this film that you shouldn't know, so go and watch it and then come back to us. But if you're saying, I am joined as ever by Abby. Hello. And I'm joined by Laura. Hello. Right, let's do the big topics first, the big ask about it. What did we each think? Laura, what did you think? (laughs) (laughs) A reenactment of my reaction when I watched it. Um, Hopeless mirth. Yeah, basically. Uh, So I went the day after release um, in the middle of the day because plague and stuff. And um, and there were only probably about oh, I don't know fifteen people in the in the cinema, um, and yet there were still the gasps and the squeals, and most of them were from me. And, um, <laughs> and I did the little chair dance thing that I do when I'm really excited by something. Nice. Uh, so you know it was all right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, up there with uh, with my favourite uh, MCU, I think. Saw it for the second time yesterday, and. I was a bit concerned because you know I thought, oh well, it's all of the emotion which we'll come into, and and why I felt emotional. But actually, even without even knowing everything that was going to happen, it was um, it really stands up, I think. So, Good. some caveats, but okay, um, okay. It's hold still the caveats. Ten out of ten for me. Uh, Abby, what did you think? Loved it, loved it, loved it so much, loved it. Nice. Nice. Less detail, as much enthusiasm. I like it. <laughs> I went to see it on, uh, I went to see it last Monday, so ages after it had come out, um, on account of, you know, plague and Christmas and all of those things. Um, so yeah, I finally got to see it. Uh, went to see it with my good lady wife, of course. Um, what was really great for me was that she knew nothing about it. <laughs> she had zero spoilers, um, zero expectations, um, didn't think anything when I suggested we watch a variety of older Spider-Man films the day before <laughs> as a treat watched her face at various points during the film and it was just lovely, it was lovely um, which is to say that I had had a couple of spoilers um, obviously we knew that Doc Ock was going to be in it and you know we're big fans um, so you know we were prepared for that because we'd seen the trailer but um but even I was surprised by some of the twists and turns on the way and particularly surprised by the amount of feelings I had. What a, what a lot of feelings I had. So we'll get to that, I'm sure. Okay. But what what a great time we had going to the cinema. <laughs> nice. And, and it is a cinematic film, I think. Mm, oh, yeah. I agree. You know, the, I, I've seen people complaining that there is now this thing that we have judge certain films to be cinema worthy but i think it's absolutely the thing you do at the moment we all have to pick and choose what we do and the risks we take Mm. and there are films i want to see on the big screen and there are films i would see if there wasn't a global pandemic on yes so this was a film that i would see, and that and that for me sort of shapes my viewing of it i went also first couple of days it was out um I decided I could manage the risk by sitting as far from everyone as I could, right up against a wall, um, at the earliest screening possible. Like you, Laura, you know, not not huge numbers of people in there, but some people in there. I went on my own. My wife didn't want to take the risk because she was doing stuff in the week she wanted to do and make sure she was okay for. Um, the people across the aisle moved up to only be only a seat or two from me, which stressed me out and made me move. So I was in the second row, 
right against the wall, which is the worst angle. I'm, I'm almost angry at the multiplex chain for having <laughs> seats that are that bad that cost the same as, you know, E17, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the seat in the middle, the really good seat. E17, um, the, the best seat. Yes. I, I like to be about five seats back, but obviously in five rows back, but in the middle. And there's something like 13 maybe plus the aisles. So about 17 is the middle. Interesting. I'm absolutely guesstimating that. I will obviously find out, find out, and report back on Twitter. Please, yes, if we could yeah. have yes. for the show obviously. next, obviously, that'd be great. Um, I much enjoyed it the second time when I didn't have all the stress when I was yeah. with my wife, who also didn't know everything. Um, oh. I, after seeing it, I said, "Do you want to know the plot?" She said, "Yes." I started telling her. I stopped at the point he decided to help all the villains. I'm like, I think I might stop here because you look like you want to see it. She went, "Yep, I want to see this now." So she also was not spoiled, and it was the delight watching with her and getting her gasping as she went through. Yay. So. Yes. So this is a three out of three. We like this. Have we had this? Black Widow. That's true. And Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi, yes, yes, yes. Mm. We, in fact, have liked all the Marvel films. We've all liked all the Marvel films. Well, Eternals is in there as well. We've all liked all the Marvel films. (laughs) 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 You try to do a bit of druid there. I would like to hit those caveats, Laura. I, I would like for us to do what are the things that disappointed us, weren't quite as good, we wanted to change, we expected but didn't happen, those things. Because um, I think there's a lot to gush about here and I want to sort of have this conversation because I think it will inform all the gushing. Yeah. Um, so, well, I mean, there's there's something within the film and then there's something outside of the film. And the outside of the film is the fact that I didn't know that the Spider-Men were going to turn up, but obviously there was speculation. Now, it was still a lovely sort of, I got lots of emotions when it happened, but, you know, and similarly with the the villains, Mm -hmm. and this is even me trying to avoid that stuff. Mm. And so if uh, someone would like to, anyone would like to hear a more in-depth discussion on that, please go back and listen to our Hawkeye episode, our series wrap, because uh, Matthew does a good discussion about the... uh, the Marvel marketing machine. Yeah, so, but... so you're you're talking here particularly the appearance of um, Elijah Wood look alike Tobey Maguire and hating Mondays like in Lasagna, Andrew Garfield. Yes, yes, those those Spider Men. Yes, Partic- um, who uh, uh, and and just to elaborate a little bit on the marketing thing, I think at some point they talked about them being in this film like two plus years ago. It it was part of the discussion was we're going to be incorporating these things. And at some point, the marketing has changed and gone to uh, Andrew Garfield sitting there going, no, I'm not in that film. I don't know anything no, about I it. Don't. I don't recall that. Mm. I have been paying fairly close attention in so, sort of until this film actually started happening. In fact, until What If suggested multiverse, I was paying fairly close attention. And I remember them saying that um, that we didn't have to disregard those films because there was a, a lot of... Um, around the Andrew Garfield sort of there's no Spider-Man three times. There was quite a mm. lot of anti-rebooting sentiment. Mm. And I remember at some point them saying, like, you don't have to discount those films. Like, you can still have them as canon. I remember that conversation. Mm. Okay. So. But I, I will say, I not paid no attention. I didn't block anything. And I didn't know that mm-hmm. there were going to be Spider-Men in it. I didn't know... But obviously there was all of the speculation. Mm. So, um, and also I'd heard the speculation about Daredevil being in it. Yes, so, yeah, exactly that as well. And yeah. which yes. Abby he was, yeah. You knew this. 
who's Daredevil again? Oh, is he the one we were talking about? Oh, was he the lawyer? He was yes. the lawyer. Oh, okay, cool. The blind uh, guy who catches, ca- the, catches rock. the rock? <laughs> well, I've uh, never I mean, seen Daredevil. He was blind, would she? You well, he had a cane. He had a cane. Oh, did he have his cane? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, so it's, that's, that's... Well, I figured he was something, that. but I haven't seen Daredevil. So there yeah. you go. And so that's the actor. I have from a point the about Devil. that, but anyway, we're we're on caveats. So that's the actor from the Daredevil series as well. Oh. So he's been brought into the MCU. Cool. So so that there was all of that, but I mean, even so, I still have my little chair dance each time anything happened. So the only thing within the film was the whole kind of setup with the um, the spell mm-hmm. and the whole thing that Doctor Strange was so willing to brainwash all of these people without them having like a proper conversation about. Mm-hmm well, have you tried talking to MIT or even, right, so what are the parameters of this spell? Um, and even mm. the fact that the spell could be changed by um, by Peter saying words when you'd be like, well, Pete, it's not, Peter isn't Ned, you know, <laughs> he doesn't have magic as far as we're aware. And so that all just felt a bit, uh, it just felt like the, there must have been a better way to get to that. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was a very Doctor Strange way of going about things. Like he is very much up here over here and he forgets that Spider-Man is a child. And yes. also I I love the bit about didn't you ring them? Because I have had that conversation with people who didn't get into uni. <laughs> and you say, "Have you spoken to them? Why would I speak to them?" <laughs> that's that's yes. the thing. It's you can bargain, negotiate. But I just it just felt I don't know if it was because they wanted Doctor Strange in there, so it had to be. But I don't. I think perhaps if it had been a villain or one of the villains had done it, or I, I don't know, just something. Hmm. It didn't affect my. Like I still think this is ten out of ten for me. It didn't really affect it. I definitely didn't really think about it the first time I watched it. Uh, but yeah, if I need to look at sort of nitpicks, that that would be up there. Uh, Abby, do you have anything on it I, that you'd want to? Put, I have just you? one thing. Hmm. Um, it happens twice in the film. And it's, it's you know, just to be that podcast friend, it's the ableist language. And mm, it's okay. pointed, and it happens a couple of times. Um, Spider-Man referring to himself as dumb happens a lot in a couple of the films. Okay. Um, people referring to themselves as lame. And you don't need to spend too long on the internet or, you know, in reasonable um, workplace discourse and so on, I think, to just have a little think about the language and Mm -hmm. I would argue that there isn't sufficient reason for those characters to use those words over other words Hmm. it's not a character trait, it's not a useful character trait, it's the Marvel franchise Mm -hmm. and I find it strange that they are such emphatic lines Um, it's one of those things where I would have thought this would get picked up in a script edit so I'm surprised Interesting because they have been renowned for using fat phobic language Yep. Fat, fat things as a joke has been an, a, a constant thing in the MCU. And I feel like that's now been taken out. Although um, I would say putting your larger character in the realm of food on a regular basis and having people offer them snacks specifically mm-hmm. is an interesting choice. I, I, I Though I think you pulled a face there. It, it was I, only uh, only on the full rewatch that I sort of saw it by, by watching them back to back to back. Every film has a joke somewhere about someone's size. And it's just, when you start watching them like that, you're like, oh, this is a joke the MCU makes. Okay. I will have to bow to your knowledge as I haven't watched them back to back recently. Um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I recognise what you're talking about. It's just, it was the constant part that I thought. Mm. So, Okay. 
Hmm. Yeah, no, and that's a very good catch. I mean, like, if, if they're called using language that isn't... It's not necessary. Isn't inclusive. I, yeah. I think it's it's hmm. not the most important language, and I think it would throw some people... And I think if you if you work in a content creation field, it's the kind of thing that you tend to be aware of. So it's surprising. I, I think that we expect at this point Marvel to be to some level the gold standard and maybe that's a hazard maybe we shouldn't but it's yeah. enough have a lot of money and people working in it so i mm-hmm. think with, with straightforward things where something is skewing younger i think that's something you could just not do to no cost given it's so easy to substitute in yeah. different language uh, absolutely and, 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 and change the meaning or no i i think it's an issue that they're sort of aiming at the middle sometimes so it's the easy jokes that they want to include which aren't funny I to everyone. I feel like you would su- that would suggest that they were thinking about it. True. But the thing True. is, but I, I mean, I, I'm trying to think back to those examples, and I can't remember the, the exact lines, but I don't remember those being sort of like it's not like they're using those words because of a double meaning. No. Well, sorry, obviously there's a double meaning because that's why we're talking about it. Yes. You know what I mean? It's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not purposeful. They're not absolutely key to a, a joke mm. landing or something. I would the say, concept it, yeah, is, they're not. They're not jokes. They're they're. In, I think in both cases, the spiders men being self-deprecating yeah. um, and, and in a place of, of torment, in a sense. Mm. Um, and I, I just don't think they're useful words for that period of time. It is also possible, again, having listened to some podcasts, it's possible they're improvised because um, it transpires mm. quite a large amount of improvisation um, in this film, which is... Nice to know. Um, and then I think you can't have actors necessarily being responsible for all of those things in that way. Because if you're doing 60 takes of something, you you know, it's it's not their job yeah. to ensure that um, every single improvisation is appropriate for a film. That's what the entire movie making cast and crew is working so towards. you help me out as someone who isn't as attuned to this language? Because I have to be honest, that had not occurred to me. What would be good alternatives? Ridiculous. Some more something like saying, you know, I'm I'm such a failure. I've I can't believe I've done this. I'm so I'm so cross. I'm so upset with myself in those cases, or I feel so weak. You know, mm. um, I can't believe I did this. I'm disappointed, or just even just kind mm. of having some physical emotions. Mm. I think again, I know the things people say. I know that that is how it works, but I don't think that, that is necessarily the point. No, I think that's different that if that someone says something in real life with not meaning with those mm. quotations, because mm. those words are so in the language now and have yeah, reached absolutely. a status. Yeah, And it happens. But I think when it's scripted, yeah. <laughs> people will have watched this many, many times. Or when it's crafted, when it's it's put yeah. together in a, in a collective sense. I, I think there were other choices they could have made. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, but that's it. That's okay. That's... I mean, considering, <laughs> I'm quite surprised that that's it because I'm usually quite fussy about things, but I don't think I have anything else. I surprise myself. <laughs> good, good. And, and you know, we call this similar sort of things out elsewhere because one of the things that I would call out on it is the lack of women in the Spider-Man franchise in totality. Yes. I mean, this is. I'm um, not sure it passes the Bechdel test unless Mary J. It's, uh, MJ, it's good to see you counts. <laughs> yeah. Did they talk to the two women in this film? Did they talk to each other? I think she greets MJ. Okay. I, and I. I oh, yes. Did, they say hello. I yeah, thought yes. about this at the time, but I don't think there's anything else. Okay. 
<laughs> I could see I could see you replaying bits and I'm yeah. waiting if there was a No, I mean I don't think there's even any other women in the no. film. So Which which is a shame, but also that the women if if you know they're they're bringing all these characters from previous films, again it speaks to the franchise as a whole that there were no other women they could bring in. You couldn't have had other Mary Janes coming through or another Gwen Stacy coming through. It it just would have been too full, I think. And there have been no female villains, so you couldn't have done anything with them. Um, I mean, we could have had fewer villains, mm-hmm. and then bring mm. Gwen and um, yeah, but we can't have Gwen too and a live Gwen. Um, Peter one doesn't have a Gwen. He does. Uh, Bryce yeah, Dallas Howard as as yeah. Oh Stacey. gosh, yes, oh, I didn't get that far. <laughs> Who has at least one, if not two? Gosh, yes, I forgot that. Um, oh, I must go back and watch the third one because yeah, we only watched two before. That's an interesting watch. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, that's just been my thought, but I'm not entirely sure how I would talk about that or fix that, so that's a throwaway. But for me, the thing with this, why it's not a 10 out of 10, I think this takes us into the discussion of what does work. Mm. I don't think Tom Holland, Peter Parker, has an arc in this. Ooh. I, I don't think he has anything that I come out going, oh, yeah, he did really well... He learned a thing. He got over a thing. Oh, I he... quite firmly and fervently disagree. Okay. Yay. I, 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 Team I'm Abby. Finish my point. Yeah, do try, Matthew. Do try. <laughs> where where I think that Tobey Maguire has, has a couple of moments and, and it's we sort of see him stepping into a slightly mentor role there, which I quite like. Again, very akin to the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. And we get a very firm moment of resolution moment of triumph for andrew garfield possibly for me the best moment in the film um i don't think there's anything like that for for (laughs) i wish we had video because abby's face (laughs) go off abby i've I've got i've got my audacity window over over my face so i can't see what i'm doing but i can imagine that it's one of those faces i get told not to make in meetings because it just gives away too much Um, <laughs> all right. Did you see the end of the film, Matthew? No, I walked out both times with about half an hour I, to go. I, so this, it all makes sense, and I completely understand why you didn't get it. Um, <laughs> let's move on. No. Um, so for me, are we, what are we gonna what are we gonna call them? Tom, Peter, Andrew, Peter, and Toby, Peter. I think Peter's one, two, and three. I think just the actors' names is Okay, so for me, Tom Holland's Peter has always been very reactive, very small, very requiring of of assistance. He's had to lean on a lot of people and a lot of things um, Mm -hmm. to do this. And what I particularly like in this film is you get that moment where it's not working with the three of them. And he says, oh, but I know this. I know what to do as part of a team. And you see him kind of start to understand himself in the context of superheroes. He starts to understand what he is good at in okay. terms of being a superhero and collaborating and saving people and not just reacting to whatever is happening. He's made mistakes. He's done a lot of things wrong, but he starts to grow up. It is a coming of age arc in a lot of hmm. ways. He's been very reliant on his friends, um, very reliant on and reactive against um you know tony and even happy and so on he's 
so influenced by everyone else. And in this film at the end, he very literally becomes his own person and chooses to go and be with himself, by himself. Um, those those are some very big choices that have really interesting repercussions pretty much only for him. And he just goes to be in that identity in apparent comfort um, and to go and spend some time in that, which is not something that that character would have been able to do prior to this film, both logistically and emotionally. He quite literally grows up and takes some ownership of Spider-Man. He knows he's not alone. Um, he has this kind of connection with these other people, but he's also seen himself in, in their context and understands that he is capable and competent and actually he doesn't have to keep screwing everything up. He can just go and spend some time in this and not go down these various darker paths that he's seen sight of. Um, so it, it's really a maturing storyline, I would say. Um, Laura, I don't know if that's sort of where you were thinking of you got more. He kind of crosses over, I think. For me, he learnt that with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> Which is what every Spider-Man needs to know. Because early on, you know, one, you know, he goes to Strange to get everyone brainwashed so they can get into college. Uh, and then there's all of the stuff with May. You know, he's saying it's not my responsibility. I've, in fact, at one stage, I think it's when um, Norman is with May and he's, he's come in to feast mm-hmm. um, the refuge um, shelter mm-hmm. type place. Uh, and she's trying to say to him, you, know, you need to help this guy. And he says, he sort of whines, oh, we, we've, we've just got another chance at MIT now. This isn't my responsibility. And she says to him, this is your responsibility. Da, da, da. And then we have that a couple of times. And the fact that he does then decide to fix the uh, the villains uh, and try to help them mm-hmm. instead of uh, just sending them back to die. And then I think particularly that leads to it at the very end of the film where he does take you can argue whether it's his right to or not, but he does take the ultimate responsibility for uh, MJ and Ned by deciding that he's not going to include them in uh, in his ongoing adventures and shenanigans. So mm. that would be. I did think of one more nitpick, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it actually connects to. Um, so we watched um, Amazing Spider-Man two, which I hadn't seen before somehow, um, the day before we went to see this. And it happens in that, and I noticed it happening with May in this film. Um, when the the prominent female characters die, and spoilers for Amazing Superman 2, Spider-Man 2, but um, spoilers for Amazing Spider-Man 2, uh, when the prominent female characters die, they have had to very clearly make a bad call first, or a call which is directly leading to their demise in a sense. So May's insistence that this is the fight to fight and Gwen's insistence, adamant that she is coming, regardless of what Peter does. They they repeatedly, three, four, five times, have to make the point that will eventually lead to their demise. And I just think that's quite interesting. But are they are they really bad points that they made? I don't know if they're necessarily bad points, but I, I just think it's very interesting that we directly absolve the Peters. <laughs> like they they are so or is or is the, those women having agency? Yes, but it, it, I suppose it's possibly just watching them back to back that it is 
agency that directly leads to the only demise of the prominent female character in the Spider-Man films. And how many other times do women necessarily have that much agency? I mean, I know everyone says, I'm coming with you. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Mm. Um, and I was but, quite pleased that MJ, you know, had to accidentally get chased through mm. rather than that. But No, no Way Home says that Aunt May's decision, her her way of doing this, is the right thing to do, and that he yeah. should do that. It is absolutely supporting yes. his doing it and her pushing it. I'm not saying the film's not on board so. with it. Hmm. Mm. I'm just saying that consequence for her, and no doubt in, in this film, the way we see it, she would argue that that is a, a reasonable consequence and these things happen, and it doesn't mean you shouldn't fight for the good things. But well, I just does. think it's interesting. She actually does, doesn't she? After yeah. she's been injured, but before she dies. So actually, she absolutely right, yes. says that. Yeah. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I I just think it's <laughs> it's interesting in in a way almost because it is the illustration of the responsibility mm. in a sense the people who are so forthright about that and decisive mm. and full of agency mm. pay for it first. And and part of this is of course because it's based on comic books. Um yes. where women have traditionally been there to die. Women, stroke parents, <laughs> are there to die to motivate our male mm. characters, sadly. Yeah. And and to flip that, because I, I was sort of thinking about fridging as, as a concept, as kind of we're talking about, but I wouldn't talk about fridging when I talk about Uncle Ben. And I like that the film makes Aunt May Uncle Ben, effectively. Yeah, yes. I, 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 yeah. That, he- that heft. Totally here for that. And mm. so... I don't think I can apply it because I wouldn't apply it in the other way. I think there are times the women only exist for that. Yeah. And it's a bad thing. Here I think they have threaded the needle possibly just because she got other films. On, on which note, and, and, I, and I don't think it is that. I don't think that they are there only to motivate the men or whatever. I just think it's very interesting that they have to so explicitly mm-hmm. go down this road themselves. Mm. Because otherwise we have, I don't know, some other kind of issue. I, I think it's just so interesting because you can feel that somebody had a conversation about that. Now it's got to be her choice. Mm. Anyway. But what is it I, interesting? Sorry, go on. No, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 go on. I was going to say what Matthew's point did bring me to was I think the best line in the film is the one that threads the needle on the Andrew Garfield MJ scene, which is when she says, are you okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that my favourite, favourite thing in this whole thing is that Andrew Garfield Spider-Man never puts his trauma on anyone else in this. And even when he experiences this incredible, beautiful resolution, this this moment where he can do something to protect someone else and someone else's relationship. His, his younger brother, effectively. Yeah, his younger brother's absolutely. relationship. Yeah. When, when mm. he can do something he couldn't do before, it's completely internal and he has no need um, to express that to anyone else. He doesn't want to work that through externally. MJ is fine because she expects to be saved and he doesn't want to break that trust. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to explain to her that he was responsible, that this happened, that one day Tom Holland might not save, but he has no need to do that because it may well not be true and it's not mm. his problem. And she doesn't quite know what's going on with him, but she checks in and it's fine. <laughs> and and the moment lands, because mm. Andrew Garfield might be the best actor of the Spider-Mins. Yeah. I, I think I think his delivery in some of this, some of it is possibly down to the material Tobey Maguire gets in later Spider-Man films. Um, 
but I think I think Andrew Garfield is is probably my favourite. Having now watched them all back, I have to say I am very much on the train that it wouldn't be awful if there was another film with him as Spider Man. Right? Yeah. Particularly right. because uh, after my first watch of this film, I then went back and watched everything um, the the Spider Man canon. Um, and I really like him as Spider-Man, but I don't like a lot of that writing of him as Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah, no, the writing Peter in those Parker, films. Peter yeah. Parker. But it's not just the films. It's actually the way he's written. He's kind okay. of on the slightly... Arsey sort of... Yeah, thing. yeah, just a bit. His quippiness. He doesn't have that kind of innocence, I don't think, in the same oh, way that the others man. two do. I love and the quippiness. So, no quippiness, yes, but there's quippiness with a bit of a... It's a bit smirky. ...edge to it. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit okay. smug. Okay. Um, whereas the way he his Spider Man's written here, mm. absolutely, I want to see I want to see that Spider Man so much more. Yeah. I really like that Andrew Garfield is driving this train as well. Like yes. I, I feel like if it's going to happen, it, it's nice that this seems to be the prevailing wind. And and I, yeah, I do. So can, can just I before can I just wrap up the conversation we had before Abby's nitpick? Sorry, this, just, this is exactly what I was okay, just about to say. Fine. Did Sorry, we convince you, to... Matthew? The the point on him learning great power comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. In Civil War, his introduction is a fairly long sentence where he tries to say, with great power comes great responsibility, without saying, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. Which is this whole thing of, like, when you have these powers, but you don't do anything Use about them, it, it's sort yeah. of on you. It's it's almost like it's your responsibility, but not you're actually responsible. Like, mm-hmm. it's this whole thing. And that's the I think he knows it. Which is which is why it just just for me, I feel like him learning it here and having to be explicitly told it here is like, but yeah, this is what he knew back in like twenty fifteen. Yeah, but it's one thing to know that morally that's the right thing to do, hmm. and then to actually change your actions. Okay. It's theory and practice. It. Yeah, isn't okay. it? And also, he's been through a lot since then, and he's grown, and you know mm. maybe more jaded than he was when he was first because when he was doing that at the very beginning there weren't really any downsides for him true mm-hmm. uh, so and I, and I, I think when you, when you see the darkness that he's capable of in this film I, I think that without that resolution at, at the end and I feel that sense that he is has matured as a result of this I think you'd be looking at a much more dangerous character I think that there's there is a real sense that were it not for the later events in the film, he would be completely unhinged by it. The, um, oh my god, it's bad. I'm forgetting the actors' names now, so that really isn't going to work. The Spider-Man. Tom Which Holland? one? No. <laughs> Toby Maguire. God, no, the other one. Andrew, Andrew Garfield. Garfield. Thank you. Yeah, because I can't remember what my It's going to be a long pod. Now. Oh, uh... Yeah, because excuse me, can we get a wine refill for? <laughs> Sadly, none at all. Oh, See, that's, that's a problem. I should have yes. should have, should have had more wine. Um, so uh, particularly where um, Garfield's Spider-Man actually says that after what happened with Gwen, that he he became bitter and he stopped pulling his punches mm. and, and what have you. So we know that that is within the nature of Spider-Man. It took a long time to get to that, but okay. yes, no, I completely <laughs> agree. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. No, I'm 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 glad that it's possibly just me feeling that. Yes. That it's, me too. it's not an overall critique. Good, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you do you, Matthew. Okay. Even if it's wrong. Uh while we're talking about May, did 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 we have tears? Did we 
were you particularly affected as, by it? As close to tears as I'm going to come in these things, yes. It, it was very affecting. I, I cried at other things um, in this film. I yeah, didn't too. particularly cry. I was a little surprised, if I'm honest. Um, I think at the amount of blood. And I think that's that's a conversation that I sort of wanted to have anyway about just kind of the, the amount of blood in this film um, in comparison with some of the others. Um, I felt it was it was quite shocking. I was sort of a bit, while I was watching it, and again, I've only seen it once, I was quite interested in kind of the logistics of what going on. There's these army something, American SWAT people. people. Yeah, I'm not very good at knowing which men with guns have turned up, but some turned up and um, and I was a bit worried about what was going on there and I thought well can you not see the guy shouting for the help with the I don't know I got a bit lost in the logistics at the moment which meant I think that it didn't land as much as it might have for me which is why I sort of thought that maybe she wouldn't die because mm. um, it, it just felt quite crowded mm. I was again spoiled Ah, <laughs> oh, that's a shame that is well, a shame uh... So I saw some uh, tweet about, um, oh my God. Marissa Tomei. Thank Mm. you. I saw some tweet about Marissa Tomei saying that she had to tell her therapist about the end of Spider-Man No Way Home because to deal with Mm. something. And this was like, well, clearly something happens to your character then. (laughs) I'm sorry. There's no, and this was done as if it wasn't giving anything away. You're like, well, it's not because... You know, there was some dramatic scene with MJ, is it, that you had mm, to tell your mm. therapist the ending. So when it happened, I wasn't surprised at all. Um, but yeah, so I didn't, I didn't there. Uh, but yeah, oh, it was when he's on, when Tom is on the rooftop and being comforted by MJ and Ned mm. and sobbing, and oh, I'm getting slightly now because that that got me both times. I was having a good mm-hmm. little weep to that, and then when you bring in the the older brothers with their stories of woe as well. Yeah. There was a little bit of dehydration. Yeah. I, I think like Abby, I was genuinely surprised when it was happening hmm. and then she started getting up and I'm like, okay, okay. They're just, you know, they're, they're sort of resolving it quickly because it is for the sort of tween teen market. Cause I, and again, I think this is why to go into the real world, why the people moved to the seats near me was they had a couple of like 12 year old, 11 year old boys by them who left a lot of popcorn on the floor. I think we're very excited by this film. So I think well. that's why that's why the couple moved near me and I then had a go at them for not having their masks on and stuff. So fine. Um, so I thought they were resolving it like, okay, they were just mild peril type moment. Yeah. But then it actually happened. It's like, oh, well, they're actually doing it. You know, yeah. crikey. And it was good. And yeah, I, I liked Happy Hogan's moment there of, you know, shouting at him to let, or, or to give him a moment to, to get away. And yeah, it was well done. Why do you, what do you think was added by Happy and May splitting up? Otherwise, in her death, you would have to have more about it with Happy. With Happy, okay. Yeah, you'd have to have more of of it meaning something, I think. I I think from a sort of Hollywood plot line thing. Yeah. You would have to think of all the people it affected, and she very clearly showed early on she did not have feelings for him like he had feelings for her, if any feelings. But, and I think if it had been his decision, which obviously wouldn't have made sense with the Mm -hmm. characters, but I think that would track. But 
it does just because she's decided no we're not going to be together that mm-hmm. doesn't mean he, and like the day before or something that doesn't i don't think that would necessarily diminish his feelings to the point that he wouldn't no. have the same reaction mm. but no i was just curious about that that's that's my read huh? yeah i can't really think of any other reasons one of you made a comment earlier about laura i think you said about the number of villains in this and they could have yeah. had fewer villains so certainly there's at least two villains. It's the two, um, yeah. Thomas Hayden Church and Reese Evans. Yeah. Who appear to not turn up to set. Yeah. Or I not want from... to be on set at the same time. Well, from um, what I've read, it does seem to be, yeah, it's just reuse of... But they had um, Thomas Hayden Church's voice. Yeah, they did They did voice readings, but they were yeah. not in the film. Which, yeah, and, and fine, they didn't have to be because the CG was good. I'm not complaining on that point. But yeah, they had a number of villains in there. And to the extent they had five villains. Mm-hmm. And they had teased previously, again, talking about post-credit sequences, the, the appearance of a sixth villain yeah. from Spider-Man. And famously, Spider-Man's villains are known for forming a group of six people. The Sinister Six. Why did they set up as <laughs> a kind of Sinister Six thing? Because I said that I enjoyed it more the second time, and one of the reasons was knowing Tom Hardy's not going to walk through the door at some point. Because I spent most of the film like, well, where's Tom Hardy? Like, they've yeah. said that he's coming. Where's Tom Hardy? Where, is he just going to turn up and it's going to be part of the fight at the end? It's going to be a funny Venom thing? Oh, no, it's a post-credit sequence. Well, we're getting some form of Venom, aren't we? But yeah. But it's not the Tom Hardy one. But it was well, just... But it could be the Tom Hardy one, but a different variant. What? Why six? Why why do Sinister Six thing and not do a Sinister Six thing? And why have these certainly two characters that I don't think added anything? I think the Sinister Six is going to be um, characters that are owned by Sony that they're already setting up. So um, Morbius. Is he in a villain or not? Yes. Yeah, he is. So could he but be in this, in, in this film? Why? No, no, get... I understand what you're saying. Yeah, but I'm talking okay. about if you talk about okay. Sony's long term plan. Yeah. No, no, I'm trying to, I'm trying to stay in this film. Why has this film got six villains in it? Why does it not have the six of them coming together if you're going to do a Sinister Six thing? And why has it then got so many, at least two, if not three of them have good arcs and good reasons and things going with them. Why do they then have a lizard man? Why do they then have a sand man? Well, yeah, I, I, I think I like it. I'm, I'm fine with it. And I think that it's funnier to have the six in a post-credit sequ- sequence drinking cocktails. I think that's perfectly Venom. Like, they could have had Sinister Six, but Venom is having fruity drinks and talking with that's the footballer's life guy. And... He, does, he, does, he does say, oh, perhaps I should go to New York and talk to... Yeah, and I people. think that's a cracking joke. I think that is what a post-credit sequence <laughs> deserves to be. It is a payoff for a previous post-credit sequence. In itself, it is a two-part film of great beauty. <laughs> and I really... I, we, watched, we watched Venom Let There Be Carnage again last night mm-hmm. and I, it was actually quite funny watching that post-credit sequence again like, oh this makes total sense now I've seen <laughs> No Way Home but and at the time I was just like oh yeah I've just gone through some light and there's in someone else's room oh, that's fine oh look a Spider-Man oh Spider-Man's coming out soon that's going to be this fun this guy yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I just I, I, I really like it I, I quite like the almost guess who's not in the film <laughs> <laughs> like that's a post credit that pays off with someone who should have been in the main feature mm. saying that they were too busy having fun cocktails to be in the main feature that's a joke okay okay oh, you, I, buy I, that. you, I feel like you buy that I, I can buy that I'm going to go back to why is there a lizard man why is there a sand man 
What I quite like the lizard man. Yes. And also, like, that bit in the woods with the sand guy kind of forming and dissolving was quite cool cinema. But, I mean, yeah. I, I, think, I think if it's just two or three, I think the notion of healing them starts to get a bit odd. Because it, it's... I think there's some interesting conversations around around the ethics of of healing people, um, whether they do or don't want it. And obviously, you know, they say, you know, I I don't want this procedure um, because I am evil and I'm fine with that. And and I think that the film tackles that in various ways. Mm. But I think when it is a collective of villains mm-hmm. who've all suffered this various misfortune, the weight shifts in the ethical conversation to well we need to do something and actually in this scenario the number of people the concept of healing them is more effective because if you send one or two people back to one or two universes but five it's a different thing okay yeah i didn't so i mean one of my issues with eternals is i'm like just have six or eight of them or something like ten <laughs> we're really pushing things now uh, i didn't hate eternals in case anyone hasn't listened to that uh, pod but it could have been a bit simpler. Um, this didn't really bother me. I mean, I think perhaps I would have preferred if, if they needed to make some room in order to bring back an um, um, an MJ and a Gwen. Mm-hmm. Then um, I would have happily lost uh, the Sandman and the the Lizard. But uh, I thought I thought they worked well. I think also it's got to be in a sense an overwhelming number of villains because you have to have this fight with three Spider-Men. They have to be outranked. That's fair. Mm. Talking about that end... uh, End game? No, not the end game. Talking about the end scene with the fight on the scaffold. I actually thought they did it pretty well because that could have... I was quite clear about the geography. You know, who, who... was fighting with what i mean the only thing that wasn't always clear is which was which spider-man for me okay because i don't know the suits well enough oh particularly when they're going at speed it's a dark film when you're watching off from the side of the cinema i'll tell you that for (laughs) damn um and i did i was listening to someone who remained nameless who was really complaining about the fact that it just wasn't clear which was which you're like what did you want it also doesn't matter that much yeah this is the thing it doesn't really matter and when when it matters they take their masks off to talk to each other absolutely um so but given that we have had a a bit of an issue with uh final acts with marvel Mm -hmm. i thought this had the real potential to be very confused and and messy and i actually think they handled it really well Oh, that's a really nice point. I really enjoyed all the choreography of the fight sequences in this, and and it really is so much to handle, um, particularly once you bring MJ and Ned into the equation. Mm. Um, it that's a lot of people on a not particularly noteworthy piece of scenery, and I, I thought they did a great job um, with narrative as well. But I think very fitting for Spider Man because there is the argument. Well, I'm this was your big multi billion in the end dollar film and you've got them on scaffolding but given they are spider-man i think it really helps because you can do all of the spinning mm-hmm. in between all the different poles and the swinging and what have you so, so. Uh, yeah they've used bridges a lot and they've used yes. towers a lot in this, so you have to do something slightly different but but also yeah marvel does like it scaffolding and cargo containers so Shang-Chi. Hell yeah um 
I think there's a few uh, uh, other sort of small moments in this or small things in this that we can talk about outside of the Spider-Men. Um, you mentioned Ned and MJ. Mm. Ned has some magic powers. Yeah. Which is quite a nice shift, quite a nice thing to do with him. I think as long as we don't do too much with that in the future. Now, I mean, I mean we never see him again, because mm-hmm. if that's the way they've decided to send this Tom Holland, uh, Spider-Man. Uh, but you know, if he does turn up again, I don't want him to now be a disciple of of uh, Stephen Strange, because it has to be that some people in this universe... <laughs> And not super powered, or mm-hmm. a, yeah, I'm thinking back to spoilers for the end of Hawkeye, but the whole thing of Laura being an agent potentially, mm-hmm. which it makes perfect sense with you know him meeting someone at work, and that's who he marries. You know, that's quite a common thing, but not everybody needs to have. It's a little Star Warsy. Mm. Yeah, it just it just makes the universe so much smaller. I absolutely agree. Yeah, I, I quite like that, and I could see Sony doing some of that. Certainly, if they get the agreement from Disney Marvel for it so they can start relying less on this is the spider-man with tony stark this is the spider-man with nick fury this is spider-man with doctor strange so the next one is this is spider-man with captain marvel and you know something like that and they can start doing some of the mcu stuff but with their own characters yeah that that i would appreciate you know a little bit more again if we're talking his arc is him standing on his own and not relying on other people and, and this starting to introduce a bit more of that side um, but the, the other thing that then leads me on, which is kind of a great revelation, and I, I, I love it very much, and I want to just wait a second while Abby clues herself back into things so I can say it and then get a reaction from Abby as well. Sorry, it seems like 8.15 is the time when the delivery guy comes on Thursday. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the, the, the revelation that I was quite delighted by early on in the film, that Wong is the su- Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah. Love yes. that. Love and it that. makes perfect. It's it, explained, and it makes perfect sense. Yeah, and I like the sort of flippant way they refer to it. <laughs> I, I I like the potential of it freeing up Benedict Cumberbatch and Strange to do more adventurey stuff because he doesn't have to have oversight of things, and you can have someone else doing some of that. Mm. Mm. Yes, I enjoyed that very much. Does this not bode well for Wong Wo in the next Doctor Strange film? Because if he was still around in the Sorcerer Supreme, wouldn't he be the one dealing with the multiverse, whatever we're going to deal Who's with? Who's to say he won't be? It's not Wong in the Multiverse of Madness, though, is it? <laughs> or at least not on the face of it. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I suppose that's a podcast yet to come. <laughs> yeah. And mm. and that then threads us through to the same complaint that we had with the Eternals, where the advertising for Eternals mm. made it seem one thing and the film made it seem another. In yes. the advertising for Spider-Man No Way Home, they had a moment of one going, don't cast that spell. And he does uh, not say, don't cast that spell in this. He is no. like, oh, I just don't want to be part of this. This but is stupid. Yeah, it's on your head. Yeah. Mm. It's not quite as fundamental a shift. But it is an interesting distinction. Yeah. Yes, I think it shows how late they were editing some of this in a way. And again, we know they had a lot to work with in it. Um, So, I mean, how much does Marvel use test audiences? I think they do. Because I'm sure I've seen seen things of... I've never really heard a lot of with all of the interviews and that I don't really remember any of the directors saying well Mm. that you know because you know particularly so say on the Empire podcast Chris Stewart has a 
um, favourite thing of asking, did you ever think of doing it this way instead? Um, and then act, um, directors and, and writers that will quite often say, yeah, but we tested and it, and mm. I've never heard from memory a Marvel director. Civil War, they definitely did. Oh, because they did. Okay. Civil the War, point, they changed a lot, didn't the they? The point of that they stopped tinkering with Civil War was when the test audience was 50-50, whose side would you be on? And they said that uh, that was when we stopped playing with it. Okay, cool. God, that's some serious NDAs going on about. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but you can see how this stuff gets leaked, so. Mm. Mm. Um, so one thing that I was wondering about is, so at the end when he is on his own, uh, Tom's on his own, mm. and then he makes his new suit. Why so shiny? Uh, it's New Why York. Why so spangly? It's New York, darling. Fashion. <laughs> have you looked at that Do Spider-Man you know and ever thought, or that, that Peter Parker and ever thought, fashion? I have a better question than Yeah, that. in New York, isn't it a tutu and a little... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have a real question about well, the end, which, mm. which I... Please, someone... He goes into his apartment. It is empty. Why does he put the box on the sink? <laughs> Why? It's an empty rope. Don't put it on the sink. Because he's a young bachelor man. Because he's had no arc apartment. and no growth and he's still relying on other people. <laughs> that is proof of my point. <laughs> and it's just like the way that it shows. It's so deliberate. He puts it's almost in slow motion. Now the box is on the sink. You just go, what are you? doing child come on <laughs> but as people did say this film does have a better arc for palpatine than rise of skywalker so oh yes <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> right <laughs> somehow palpatine returned um so does the does the death star get destroyed in all three no films? in the first and the third film first and third. <laughs> as it does in the star wars trilogy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um no, the point on the suit is I think it now matches one of the classic suits, yeah. is the point of it. So Yeah, I know, but it was a bit kind of like, really? <laughs> really, you're going to go for sparkles? Yeah. Do you think it's one of those things that, like, if you rub it another way, it comes out with sequence. a sequence? I, I would not want to comment. Matthew. He's confident in himself. He's ready to shine. Living his best life ready in to New mingle. York. That's it. Clearly, clearly. And are we calling this a Christmas movie? Because I think I think we can now. This was the the thing that I'd seen. The one spoiler that I'd had was someone saying, "This is set at the same time as Hawkeye," because at the end he sw- it, it, he swings over where Hawkeye's final fight is going to be. Yeah. So. Oh. Yeah, because so I think it starts in November and then goes into December. Okay, I because... don't know when college admissions are. So. No, I don't either. After our discussion last right. pod about what the hell the grade system really means. Uh, no, it's because when they're at um, MJ's workplace, the Halloween decorations are up. And the guy, the oh, boss says true. to her, yes. I asked you to take those down. And she said, well, it wasn't me, but yeah. So that you know, earliest will be early November. Mm. And then there's quite a few Christmassy bits. Mm-hmm. Even within the Mirrorverse, there's a little bit of Christmas music. When they're fighting there. Mm, Talking of okay. which, you both are better at geometry than I am. And I know that without even knowing how good you are at geometry. <laughs> I'm afraid you're wrong. What? <laughs> I mean, I love it for the character that, you know, he can use that side of it. You know, he can use the Peter Parker side of himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, how how did geometry help him 
best it's, Doctor Strange. The, the way I read it, also not not having done this since A-level at least. Okay. Last time I got into physics and so on. But it is the idea of, uh, like the Mandelbrot set, of things at a very small scale are the same at a very big scale. When you zoom in on a leaf, it looks like a tree, for instance, okay. when you go down very, very low. And that certain patterns and things happen in nature at every scale just through the way the universe works so he can see a certain pattern and go ah i know that this means these things are going to be in these locations and i could set up this whole trap web of stuff to get dr strange because he knows what the pattern works in a small way it will happen in a big way in this thing because the debris will form that same pattern something so that's what it was the fact that he knew the debris would form that pattern because he he saw a pattern he recognized yeah yeah okay yeah without having to explain it out loud that was when it happened in my head of like oh, okay it's like Mandelbrot things yes okay, okay. So i just went yeah sure <laughs> that was my acceptance of it. tom <laughs> tom tom stoppard's arcadia does a really good thing on this and that helped back when i was doing a level so <laughs> go go and read that play I, I feel like my approach to Tom Stoppard's Arcadia must have been the same as my approach to this, which is, yeah, whatever. Because yeah. I, I, I can promise you I am the worst at all things maths on this pod, and possibly in Europe, so... There is probably a good article. I will see if I can find it, because that would be... That would be a lovely extra. Educating. Interesting please. to find. The, the thing that I loved in there was, uh, in the same way I didn't love a moment earlier, but I loved his web being through the two portals and being able to pull them together. Just through the force yeah. of his strength. That was quite a nice moment. But in the same way, I didn't love him being forced out of his body, but his body still having the reflexes <gasps> to keep the box I away. I love that. No, no. Why not? No. Doesn't it, Spidey no. sense. Come on. It's a spidey sense. Come on. He stood in front of him like... It's I, Peter Tingle. I, I, <laughs> it is the Peter Tingle. That is the best way it's ever described in all of these films, frankly. <laughs> Doctor Strange just, just stood there. How is he letting him not be able to hold... He's got... I. It, there is something in that that just quick. doesn't work. Because it's, it's in the whole thing with the Peter Tingle, and I completely believe it would stay in his body because it's instinctual. It's not, you know, he's not thinking mm. this through. Yeah, no, no, that, that was the things I was going to say. I liked very silly. nervous reflex. <laughs> loved it, loved it, loved it. I, I think that's where we are. Then, what are things you liked? Things you wanted to particularly call out? Everything else that we've not talked about. Yet. <laughs> Can I start? Mm. Please do. And um, I'm going to start chronologically. But can I say, it turns out I have super strong feelings about Tobey Maguire. And In I mean, I am, um, I just, Which I way? was so moved by his appearance. I just, and his face, <laughs> just his little face all the way through. I just, I just had so many feelings. And it transpires that I watched the first Superman a lot when I was at uni. Listener, she meant Spider-Man. Spider-Man? <laughs> I keep calling it Superman. <laughs> you I'm going to say this again. Tobey Maguire and Henry Cavill are very different. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Henry Cavill did nothing in the year 2000 that was anything like the joys of Spider-Man. Why do I keep calling him Superman though? This is it's clearly a problem. I can remember everything that happened in the film except which superhero it is. <laughs> um, Sounds about right, Abby. Cut that. Anyway. (laughs) This is this is I I love, deeply love that you edit things, but I hate that you don't take requests. (laughs) Um, All right. 
If you don't want it recorded, don't say it near a hot mic. Yeah, it's an (laughs) error. It's an error. Oh, sweaty bum flaps. (laughs) (laughs) Now I am going to have to bring the microphone. Yeah, could you just be be more like Mel and Sue and Bake Off and just start swearing? Um. (laughs) Anyway. Apparently, I was very into the first Spider-Man film when I was at uni and watched it a great deal. Now, we can have other conversations about the complete waste of space um, that is what James Franco might have been had he been an entirely different person. But, you know, in the year 2000, times were different and I enjoyed looking at his face a lot. So I watched that film a lot and I watched the second film a lot when that came out. And watching the second film again, because we didn't have time to watch the first one as well, I just thought, I really love this. This is a genuinely very good film that I have really enjoyed in my life and it's been part of my life and I haven't seen it for like 13, 14 years and I missed my friends. Spider-Man, a character <laughs> I didn't realise I particularly like, I like Tom Holland. He's fine, he's fun, he's interesting. Um, I think these are nice films. But I had forgotten that I had this completely emotive um, ongoing relationship with these previous films. Um, so... I've always felt that they kind of got a bit of a raw deal because they're, they're quite different um, from the superhero films that we know and love now in the Marvel mm-hmm. universe. They're quite different from the MCU. But at the same time, I feel like we wouldn't have a lot of the MCU if it weren't for some of the, at least, work that the Spider-Man films did in this weird transitional period when we were still trying to get 14-year-old boys back into the cinema in the year 2000 and, you know, really keen for young people to be interested in in seeing some action films. And I just feel that, that he's always been quite underappreciated. To, so to see him just like, just some guy, and I was like, oh, there he is, just some guy, and like he's living a, an okay life, and like it turned out okay for this Spider-Man. It's just, I just thought it was really nice. And then all the way through, he's just got this very, very gentle kind of older, older brother, significantly older mm. brother, thing going on a great sense of time passing and we we talked a lot about our heroes growing up and seeing what that means in the mcu so to have somebody who's really a step above that connecting with these next two generations um in a sense or half generations maybe half generational step um i i just found very moving and i don't think i've seen toby Maguire in many things since sea biscuit and the great gatsby and and I wonder why. I don't know if he didn't make things or if I didn't watch them, but I will find out because I think he's just lovely. I thought he was lovely throughout this. Just a really soft, pleasant, interesting, quiet version of Spider-Man. And I think probably the it just comes out of your wrists conversation. Yes. <laughs> just just the, picking up on those differences was a joy to me. So that is my Tobey Maguire monologue. <laughs> I thought he was good, yeah. <laughs> um yeah so William Defoe is the goblin I think Ooh, the whole yeah. smashing his mask at the beginning so we actually see William Defoe I thought he was fantastic I also thought that this was Tom Holland's best performance as Spider-Man mm. I mean given more to do because you know the real highs and lows mm. um and you know when he like, when he was on that rooftop it completely gutted me mm. with the with the sobbing and then um and you know he's all beaten up in his face and everything and it just when he's then sort of going after the goblin and uh and trying to kill him the 
And you just so I just think this film gave him so many opportunities to do different things. And I saw him in The Impossible, um, probably I think it was in November, it's the first time I've watched it. And so that's him as like baby Tom. <laughs> and he was so good in that. That and there were shades that I thought not really seen that in his Spider-Man because it's not been needed. But um, I really like seeing that. And then other end of the spectrum is the Spider-Man pointing at each other, mm-hmm. which I just <laughs> love getting that in there. And it being really subtle, they didn't sort of do it all like getting a gang together and yeah. And uh, yeah, I just thought that was that was fun. I, I think moments like that. There are a few moments like that that are there for those of us who have seen and remember and memed all the other moments. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter if you haven't. You know, Norman Osborn going, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself. Yes. I'm the only person laughing in that cinema. And it's wonderful because brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. It, it works at every single level. And I think that's one of the things to realize. I didn't realize that was Daredevil. It doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. That's that's it. And and I think that a Marvel film that can recognize every type of Marvel fan, mm-hmm. that's no small achievement, especially when it's as complicated as this. Because they, that um, Andrew Garfield said on the podcast that I was listening to, which had Andrew Garfield on it, that um, the reason he thought it worked and wasn't some grand nostalgia fest was because everything he and Toby Maguire worked very hard together to make sure that every single thing that they said and did was in service of the film of the Spider-Man they were in. It, it whilst okay. it was relevant from them, from themselves, they were always trying to help him on his journey in his mm. universe, and it wasn't about them outwardly. And I thought that you can see that coming through in those performances, and I think that it is true. They're in his story. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. a cameo. Yeah, and I'm I'm so pleased that I mean we talk talk about fan service and that can be looked at in different ways. This was absolute fan service, but the best possible kind for me. Yes. Where, and I think particularly why that even though I had suspicions that they might be in the film, the reason that it 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 still had a massive impact for me was that it made so much sense the way that they were in this film. It wasn't just, you know, pop up for a hello wave cameo, make some crack that refers to, mm-hmm. to something in their films. They were absolutely woven into this and it all made sense. Uh, and the scenes that they had with, with each other and then with Tom were really meaningful. Mm. And, um, and so I just think it's the best possible way of doing the fan service and for the opposite see rise of Skywalker. Mm. Um, absolutely. And I think this is why, why I'm going to try and spend a year not being in the Marvel yeah. news thing, because it, it, the reason Endgame worked so well for me was, and, and that's my you know number one of the the whole franchise, yeah. because I knew so little. And uh, spoilers for Endgame: Captain America wielding Mjolnir <gasps> is something I could have thought up if you'd thought about it and you mm-hmm. put it together. Yeah, at some point they're going to lead to that point, and, and it might happen. But not knowing it was coming when it happened was even better. Yeah. So, and in the same way, knowing a bit that they were likely to turn up in this, and I totally expected it, diminished it certainly that first time, and it was more joyful the second time because I just knew what it was, and it was I was I could enjoy it for what I was seeing on screen. So that was good. You said a thing there about everything they said, or, or everything that happened for for those two Spidersmans was in service of this film, not their own films, and that I think is led through because I've listened to things from people who took their kids who haven't seen any other Spider-Mans, 
may I, I they might have seen the other Tom Hollands, but I don't. They definitely haven't seen the older in inverted commas those aged black and white. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Two thousand and two, surely not. That, that was into the Spider Verse at the black and white. One. Well, exactly. <laughs> but they they took their kids to see it and they loved this and thought it was amazing and just the idea of multiple Spider-Mans was uh, wonderful and and they couldn't have enough of it. It didn't matter they hadn't seen those films. It didn't matter the emotional resonance. It still worked. And I think, Abby, that's, you know, really interesting to hear because, yeah, you can look at that and go, oh, yeah, because they're just part of this story. Those kids saw this film and enjoyed it for what it was. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. And and you, you make the most of what you come with in this one, which we have complimented Marvel on before. Mm-hmm. You know, if you come with things from the comics, then you'll catch frames or setups or costumes and things. But it doesn't matter if you don't. Mm. But I, I just think in particular, these actors' choices to really work to collectively provide this kind of experience, I think that's, that's yeah, worth worth thinking mm. about. And I, I, I sort of like to see it again, just kind of with that in mind, because I was even at the time mm. thinking, this should be worse than it is. Right. <laughs> and it's not. It's great. Um and it, and it lets them be very warm and very brotherly and kind of looking on at his life. They're observing and they're sort of, yeah, very, it's very different. The other point that was in this is podcast, which I think was the Happy Sad Confused podcast with Andrew Garfield. Um, the other point that um, he raises is talking about the improvisation and the filming and it's um, Zendaya's improvisation to throw the bread at him when Andrew Garfield appears <laughs> and she was supposed to wave a candlestick and apparently she's like can I just chuck bread and chucking the bread at him which was also one of my favourite moments in the film so yes. and also I think she's wonderful I love everything she's in all the time and I love how different she is as an MJ and I really enjoy how she's operating on her own terms throughout this film um, and it's it's just always nice when she's in when she's in it. She always belongs in these stories, and she is always doing something in these stories and sort of living her own role in them. She is not in service of Tom Holland's story. In fact, she is her own main character, and I really enjoy that. Yeah, she is the main character in her own story, and the points where she's saying to Tom Holland, "You need to come and talk to us, and we'll talk it through, and we'll deal with it." And and I, you know, I think he's taking that on board, although he. He doesn't because he then makes other decisions that don't include them. But she's thinking this through and dealing with what is it like being Spider-Man's girlfriend and how do I do things? And and I think she's brilliant through it. And and then I want to credit Zendaya because you're absolutely right. Zendaya in this is different from Zendaya in Dune. Oh, yeah. They look alike. They sound alike. They are very different uh, characters. And they're then fundamentally different from Zendaya, the stunningly gorgeous supermodel that you see going out with her boyfriend, Tom Holland, who covers her up when she needs to adjust her <laughs> outfit and so on. And they're lovely when you see them together, but they're not the couple you see on screen here. Yeah. 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 Fabulous. More uh, here for that. Although I did get a little bit distracted on my second watch about the eyebrows. Okay. <laughs> because Zendaya has perfect eyebrows. Like... I'm pretty sure they're laminated okay. um, because of the shape of the... Anyway. And then Tom Holland has like... One of his eyebrows has like a thing that goes up in the middle. Right. And I just... It distracted me enough that I was thinking, if you were a girl, they would have made you fix that in inverted commas. There's ah. no way in hell you would, you would be allowed to have that eyebrow quirk. But anyway. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. 
that the one we've not mentioned, and I have slightly mixed feelings on this, is J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. What are your mixed feelings? J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson is one of the greatest pieces of casting Marvel has ever done uh-huh. in any film ever. It's true. And J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson in Sp- Spider-Man 2002, the very first film, mm-hmm. is a sensational character. Yeah. And the point where he is threatened that he's going to be killed by Green Goblin if he doesn't give up who the photographer is and he doesn't give up the photographer is a, a wonderful character moment that doesn't get talked about enough, frankly. Because it tells you a lot about this character and everything else we've seen. And then he just gets thrown away for two films as the comic relief, which is really disappointing. He's in this, not quite as comic relief, but slightly exposition dump. I don't think he serves a purpose particularly. And and I, I wish he had something, either something more to do or less in the film. And it was just, it was great to see him. I think it is the comic thing, isn't it? He is the pervasive voice mm. of New York City. Um, yeah, I, I know what you mean, but I, I, I'm I, not sure there was room for him to have a story. So I think mm-hmm. it's nice that he was in it, as it were. Um, and I think those punctuation points were, were helpful as well, to, so you can okay. sort of see where the perspective is on Peter. Mm. Um yeah, I mean he is he is better threaded through in the others, but there's a lot of threading going. It's, it's, this is this is a film that's been knitted rather than crocheted, isn't it? Uh... There's, there's wow. a lot going on. That's for Catherine. Yeah, that's that's a metaphor. That's a. Um, yeah. Well, I'd love to see him like turn up in Morbius, mm. or you know maybe like right? a Venom or something. Uh... He could be the new Phil Hapley. <laughs> No, was it not Phil Happily? Herb. Are you talking Herb about Parks from, from Parks and Rec and everything else and Supergirl and other things. Oh, is Bert, it? Bird Happily? Bird Happily? Herb. Bird. Bird Happily. There we go. We got there. Leave all that in, Laura. That's good, <laughs> that's good radio. <laughs> As I've said, I'm not taking requests. <laughs> I, I feel like we did we did we cover Andrew Garfield just being you know really good fun and nice to see yes. and he's so good he's good isn't he there was something with him which and I loved all of the references back to their films with so for instance um, Toby's back cracking mm-hmm. <laughs> where because I can't remember which of his films but one of his sea films Biscuit. falls down doesn't he what uh, yeah so Sea Biscuit. Toby Maguire hurt his back and was almost recast by Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. Managed to recover, and in that film he has a whole back incident. Yeah, so he falls yes. and hits some cars, doesn't yes. he, and goes in, on my back. In number two. Yeah. Yes. Um, so that, I loved all of that. One I did bump up on slightly, because I just felt that they overplayed it, was the You're Amazing. Mm-hmm. Because he said, I think he says it to him like two or three times, and then wants him to say it back to him. Uh, Toby wants um, Andrew to say it back to him, and I'm like, you could have done that once, and it would have. Been I didn't enough. get it any of the times. So. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I, it, that feels like the thing. It's not quite, but it feels like the thing that you see, um, like stand-up comedians do, particularly when they're doing their Netflix specials or something. Yeah. Where if you keep doing the gag again and again and again for long enough, it stops being funny and then becomes funny Sounds again. About random, it, 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 it sort of it feels did... like that thing. Yeah, I. It just felt, to me, it felt like they were sort of really trying to 
do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? And it's like, no, we, we, I, I well, I, we don't it. get it. Yeah, well, we got yeah. it the first or second time, and, and that's cool, but let's not lampshade it quite so much. But yeah, if I'm, if I'm going to credit Zendaya with being good and different in everything where she could be the same, when I think of Andrew Garfield in The Social Network, compared to him being a Spider-Man and the other things that he's been in particularly recently, he's a very different character in each of them. Tick, tick, boom, Andrew Garfield is a right. world away from mm-hmm. Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield. He's he's a wonderful actor. And um, it has been pointed out to me how fun it is to listen to Andrew Garfield discuss the craft of acting. Really? About which he is enthusiastic. Yes. Okay. And, uh, I've done, done quite a bit of that recently, but particularly on the Spider-Man franchise. I mean, he really has a lot to say and it feels like this was a very... Um, generous thing in a way i think to bring or they feel that it was very generous of marvel mm-hmm. to bring toby and andrew into this and sort of welcome them in and say it's okay you're part of the family and um something i was i was discussing with a good friend of the bob marlin this morning was um about how it's it's quite pleasant in a way to have marvel say all the versions of your superheroes are fine. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you don't have to fight about which one is best. They can coexist. Oh. And not only can they coexist, we're going to show you what peaceful coexistence looks like and and how that can lead to yet another kind of storytelling and everything can be canon without us having to set fire to ourselves and scream. Yeah. And yeah. I, I really appreciate that in this film. And it's an unexpected consequence, I suppose, of the multiverse. That there's so much healing to be found in it. Who mm. would have guessed? Mm. So, yeah, I, I just I really like that kind of rounding out that fan experience and, and making it possible to have kind of productive conversations about the different characters as opposed to pejorative ones. Oh, I I once followed some. I think it was on Twitter. At the bottom, uh, you can sort of say follow this subject, and Spider Man came up. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, way before this film coming out, and oh my god, it all it was was people screaming at each other about which is the best Spider-Man. Yeah. And, I, you know, I expected a little bit of that, but there wasn't really much else. <laughs> so it was a very quick unfollow on that. And, and like, it's amazing that people still do that, because it's so clearly Andrew Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> I love know, them all. <laughs> I, I, think, I think I love them all. I think they're all very different. And, again, I really like that, that they can all be the same character with such different facets. Of that character, you know, they have elements in common. Yeah, Andrew Garfield was like, I had to make my webs in a lab, and I was like, when you put, when you remind me of this, this is a ludicrous yeah. pursuit. <laughs> I, I was delighted to revisit earlier films and get mm. Toby Maguire doing finger guns and dancing with an emo yes. haircut. Like, I, I love that bit in the film, unapologetically. I think, I think the, the, the serious stuff of that film should go jump, and we should have more <laughs> of that, frankly. So, I think the second one is better. Did you see the gif where they've transposed him doing the finger guns onto this film's train in the Mirrorverse? (laughs) (laughs) I'll try and find it. So I think he's kind of fighting Doctor Strange, but it's him instead. Okay, nice. So I'm now having a thought. Just bear with me. Singular, yeah. Just the one. The... One thing that I think I did find a bit weird about this is, so we knew because of all the discussion that we, you know, we knew there was going to be something multiversal about this, and, and just the fact that the villains were coming through. I do find it a bit weird that they came up with a new reason for the multiverse to be broken when we've had Loki. 
and we know the multiverse has been broken. But that multiverse break seems to be on hold, or maybe happens in the future, because obviously outside time. But, I mean, how many different ways do we want to break a multiverse? It it feels like a story we need to see how it unfolds because it is entirely possible the multiverse break that we saw in Loki is actually this film happening. And Krang? Krang? Kang. Kang. Krang's the guy from Turtles, isn't he? Yes, he is. Nice. He's like Modoc, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. 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 Actually, just timed it, or yeah, but, I I don't think we have enough of the pieces. It breaks for a reason in Loki, doesn't it? It breaks because he who shall not be named remaining with time or whatever he was called, he was holding decided, it together. He, he was holding it together and then stopped holding it together. So it's not like they're just there and go, "Oh my god!" But again, it's breaking all he could just be telling reason. us that, and it's actually because he knows something's coming from Doctor Strange that's going to do a thing. Because yeah. time. I hope they don't do that. Because then aliens. kind of go, well, why did you bother watching Loki? <laughs> well, it, it could be that it's the kind of thing where it's like that's that's a divergence that would usually have been stopped, but that doesn't happen because so it could be that these things would meta versus would be happening all the time because of stuff like Doctor Strange. It's just that people have been stopping them from happening. Oh, I see what you mean. So yeah, so like this would. Bloke now this kind of thing can it. happen. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. I I like that. I I have another um, consequences thing. Thinking, mm. talking to Marlon earlier, which was a brilliant point, is um, people not remembering Peter and the complete lack of consequence that has mm. for everyone except Ned and MJ, because, I mean, it it just doesn't, he wasn't at homecoming. He's not been present in most of the major events in his classmates' lives, which they spend the first two films kind of commenting on because he's been off doing these other things. Tony's not around anymore. May's not around anymore. It it doesn't really affect people if they don't remember him, that he's Spider-Man, that is. It doesn't take anything away, and he won't be missing from things because he's already been missing throughout so much of his life and I just thought that was a really interesting note so am I right in thinking Mm -hmm. that the vulture has appeared in a trailer for something what's the vulture Morbius yes Um, Mm. the the villain in the first Spider-Man Tom Holland's first Spider-Man oh that's a very interesting point I hadn't thought that yes oh yeah I would just watch that as well gonna see why why didn't I because I'm too busy going that's Michael Keaton Okay. That's Michael Keaton, that so is. We He's can just great. call him Michael Keaton if you want. Let's just call him Michael Keaton. So if Michael <laughs> I mix Ke- it up with Birdman. Sorry. So Michael Keaton's in Morbius. Is he not he's not gonna remember who that Tom Holland, Peter Parker Well exists. no one's going to. No, but he knows that Spider Man exists, but he's not gonna remember that it's Peter Parker. No. But I wonder if they're gonna reflect that in Morbius. Because Morbius isn't part of the MCU, is it? Mm, Hold, please. I'm not sure how it's working, though. Hold, please. But is is it possibly that it, it doesn't matter because he wouldn't remember? So it, does, it doesn't matter if they don't mention it because I don't know if he needs to know. That it's... It's just, we don't know which universe Morbius is in, do we? 
because even though that we could say oh well it's the tom holland universe because michael keaton vultures there that could be another variant because we've seen that some of the variants look like each other and some of them don't haven't we Mm. but i still don't know if it would matter if it was the same universe because i don't know if it would come up i don't think necessarily well i think if spider-man comes up at all but I'm not sure he would, and if he if he did, I'm not sure knowing Spider-Man's identity would be important. Mobius, I think, again, also there's a Spider-Man poster, isn't there, or something in the background, and he's called uh, Murderer, which then suggests it is... Well, maybe it is we important. Don't, we don't know how many, time, how many multiverses there are out there that actually had a similar thing with the Spider-Man, Peter Parker, being accused of killing Mephisto. Mm. So... Given the ending of this film, and everyone has now forgotten him, what do you want to see in the future? MJ working it out. I, I'm torn okay. because I really like the the three of them: MJ, um, Tom, and <laughs> and Ned. And in fact, to the point that when Three is the Magic Number came up as the song at the end, I was thinking about them being the three. <laughs> so partway through the song, I thought, oh, no, it's a spider's bed. Okay, fine. Um, so I would really, particularly Zendaya, I, it would be a real shame to lose her. Mm-hmm. But I think having gone through this to then set him up as being as he is in a lot of the comics, isn't he? He's, he's sort of on his own. I, I think it. if they bring her back too soon, then it rather jumps all over the emotion of this ending. Um, yeah. But I would say, if Tom Holland came into my workplace and looked at me the way that he looked at Zondaya, I'd, I'd be asking for a number, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and she's still wearing the necklace. She must wonder where it came from at some point. Oh, is she? Yeah. The Black Dahlia. And I just, I feel like, I I don't want to see it too soon. I'd, I'd almost rather have a little MJ, maybe just have her in the post credits for like the next two, just putting, she's got a wall, she's got some red string. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I, I could stand to see kind of tiny bits, maybe some web, maybe a little web series as it were. Or maybe she becomes the next Venom. Oh, <gasps> in his... yes. Yeah, the goop. With Tom Hardy's voice. <laughs> With I just, talking to Tom that's Hardy. That's all Venom. I want. That's all I want. <laughs> I'd, I'd watch that. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly it should be so kind of like, dude, no. She'd be able to manage it. Yeah, she would, she would be she able would to deal with him. Place. It would she could absolutely short handle him. She'd be fascinated though, I think. She'd have some strong feelings about who he was allowed to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I think this yeah. is great. I think Eat the Rich may actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's go and visit that Wayne family. Yeah. MJ's going to have some strong ideas yeah. about how to deal with New York. <laughs> yeah, no, I think actually we've just accidentally come up with a really great concept. For accidental. This works. How dare you? <laughs> My big brain, that's what it is. This works. I, this is great. I, I'm, hope, I'm hoping for new stuff. And I, I, I think I might have said this probably off air uh, at random times. I want new things in the MCU. I don't want them to take a character. even you know, And they have been taking characters and saying, what if they were younger and a woman? 
different backgrounds, different races. Yeah, they've been mixing some of that up, but it's still that's the character. Yeah. I, I would quite like a new character. I, Gwen, not Gwen, Mary Jane Venom is, is a nice take, is a nice way to go. But I, I would just love something we get to learn about, something we all get to learn about on the you know thirtieth whatever film in this franchise. Start introducing things. Stop just picking up the comic books. So yeah, so you want like a a new character that isn't a, and hmm. not a side character, so a hero or or what have you that doesn't come from the comic books. I I would love something that that yeah, everyone's like, but who's who's this? What's coming in? You know, when I yeah. think back to the evolution of the franchise, and it's been, oh yeah, there's this guy in the background, Vision. So we've all gone to look up who Vision is, and like, oh, yeah. that's Groot. Let us teach you about Groot and stuff. And it's all just picking up characters and putting them in again with some changes. And I will appreciate the changes because it got Tilda Swinton in this franchise. But wouldn't it be amazing if at this stage, now we've been on this journey for 15 years, 14 years at this stage. Yeah. If they started going like, hey, we're going to, you know, come up with stuff. You know, risky, you know, the though, only reason I want to say no mm-hmm. is because I've read a lot of fan fiction <laughs> right. and hashtag OMC is not really what I'm after. In the MCU, that's not what I come here for. Original, original male, male original yeah. male characters. It's it's not what I come for because it's actually quite hard to come up with something that hasn't been done in the Marvel stable, True. which True. is a big stable with a lot of horses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I am not sure that's where the power of this franchise lies. I can't see them doing it from a commercial viewpoint because mm. the whole thing is that yes, you do go and look. Then maybe some people buy, buy the uh, buy the comic books or or what have you. Um, but also, I think what would be difficult is exactly as you're saying, Abby, that I think even if they did come up with a new character, they are bound to have some of the similar features to at least something that has been in Marvel before, mm. and then it becomes potentially a oh, but that's just a a crapper version of yeah if there are fans already for the existing mm-hmm. one so i think with taskmaster what they did there mm-hmm. with those changes now it was called taskmaster so you know but i think there would would it be a potentially a similar backlash because mm. i just don't know what you would you i think you'd have to go so out there well i mean even marvel goes so out there sorry the comic books go so out there don't they that i think that would mm. be really tricky uh, maybe if i could present a counterpoint the, the one time this has been done well, that there are probably other good examples, but the one I would point at and go, someone somewhere came up with Harley Quinn after 50 plus years of the Batman DC worlds. And someone yeah. said, we need a sidekick for the Joker. And she's now in more films than Wonder Woman and others. And and is a universe. No, it, it, is, it is possible. And that doesn't necessarily, you know, it might mean that's the flash in the pan and it never happens again. Um, but for me, it would also solve the thing of let's get some women in this Spider-Man franchise somewhere, somehow do something. Yeah, but I, I would rather see Spider-Gwen. Yes, yeah, to totally honest, agree with that. Mm. I think that's the thing. I think that there are enough, or like at least some characters that are so good that haven't we haven't gone anywhere near. I mean, things like opening up to the X-Men. I mean, there's billions of X-Men. Mm-hmm. So many. There's very little superpower that hasn't been covered. Um, there's very little origin story that hasn't been covered. It's not to say there's nothing new under the sun. There is. But I'm not sure that this is the franchise I need to take that on. I would rather see more original non-Marvel 
property. I don't necessarily need this. I don't need Marvel to create new property um, right now. I was wondering if um, we might see, um, we've been talking about the Young Avengers after a few different things. And um, Tom Holland would be old for a Young Avenger, but he might have the opportunity to lead a team or to, you know, do some consultancy work on the side. I mean, he's only 18 here, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Here he's he's quite young, but in terms of experience, oh, oh absolutely, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But... but Yelena would eat him alive. Brilliant, brilliant. Let's have. I want to see them together. Yeah. Well, she's in New York. That might she be was. my one true pairing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, Tom MJ Holland can said, wait a bit. <laughs> Tom Holland has said that he would he wants to do a Spider Man film with Yelena. Well, After yeah. the Black Widow films came out. Well, yes, he's also said he wants to fight Morbius. I think Tom Holland is pro more Tom Holland films. <laughs> well, it's funny because the quotes that were coming out after this one was actually that he w- wanted to to have some time doing some other yeah. things, and I, then that I was very quickly turned that. around. So I'm guessing <laughs> someone backed up a truck with a load of money, yeah. um, because then he's ready to make Spider-Man Four. His agent hit him over the head with a newspaper, like stop yeah. saying you want to do fewer movies. But I mean. I, I wonder if he just got enough scripts through the door and they were just like, okay, that's enough, Tom. <laughs> In some ways, there is, there's, enough, there's enough superhero movies, even just with what's being rolled out now. Mm-hmm. But I still would be perfectly happy and would go and watch and spend money on this Spider-Man continuing and we also get um, Garfield Spider-Man back yeah. in his universe continuing you know, under the Sony brand, maybe just... And nothing to do with the MCU because mm. clearly the Avengers don't exist in his uh, in his world. I want to see what's going on with Toby and Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> I I really like the way that they did that. Actually, that it was mm. it's complicated. We make it work. It's complicated, but we make it work. Yeah, mm. I want to see that. <laughs> I'm interested. Keep going, guys. Jamie Fox, um, who I hadn't seen in the MCU in. The- and seen in the Spider-Man films. Why do I have such a problem with these these being <laughs> Spider-Man films? It's fascinating. Um, until I watched Amazing Spider-Man two the day before. I I really like his character. I really liked his performance. I really liked the way that he just kind of rode the line between the different opinions that one might have about what is happening in the film. I just I found him really interesting. This and I like that he got a kind of literal glow up in this universe mm-hmm. as well. I thought that was a really nice touch. Um, Jamie Foxx was like, I am not going back to the dentures. Right. Yeah. I'm over one of you. <laughs> Excuse you, we will be <laughs> giving me we're the full the MCU moment. treatment. We've only yeah. got so long to be hot and we're yeah. gonna be hot on the We're gonna do that now in Spandex. It's gonna be great. Um <laughs> just really really enjoyed that i really liked um the kind of thoughtfulness and the variety of villains as well we'll get to that in a sec but i also particularly liked his sort of disappointment with andrew garfield spider-man who's saying you know you're yes. poor you're from queens mm. help the poor people i thought you were going to be black and i thought that was a really well delivered perceptive scene i really enjoyed that point i, I think they deserve credit for including it in the film yeah. whomever wrote that and and I, I, there's been an interesting thing recently of not giving credit to the companies for this stuff. Give it to the writers, give it to the production team who who put that line in there and presumably argued for keeping it because it does point out like it's a very white franchise, it's a very white superhero. So yeah, and a nice nod to Miles. It, absolutely. When I absolutely. assume he will turn up in live action. Well, yeah. his uncle's been in it, Donald Glover yep. in the first one. So we're you know 
tiptoeing we're around on, it. on the path yeah. Mm. yeah i really like that but but yeah also I, I think that he was sort of emblematic of the variety of villains and as you say when you have five you do have to well you do have to distinguish between them but they also kind of use all those different viewpoints to work around the theme of of the narrative which was this idea of them being cured as it were mm. and being returned and I, I really like the way they lent into those conversations and discussions. And, and again, it's a superhero film. You don't have to have ethical discussions about these things. Car- villains don't have to have opinions about what happened to them in films. So I am in- interested in this way of handling villainry um, and such like. As mm. This is something that's happened to you and we are looking to cure it um, or change it or just send you back to die or you know these various things. And having these characters contemplate it and I'm still not sure they had the whole conversation around it all. And I still think that the, there are characters making some choices. And I think it's, you know, as a philosophy graduate, I, I'm pretty sure I've written papers on this kind of thing. You could go a lot further in those conversations. But I appreciated the amount they had. And I can't believe that we've been talking for an hour and a half and I haven't mentioned Alfred Molina once. <laughs> Which is outrageous. I, I mean, it does sort of yeah. call him out in this film. He's fine. He is. He is. Oh. He is as good as and as as that actor's name always is. But I think there's other people doing more interesting and delivering on more stuff. I say that's not why I haven't mentioned him. I thought okay. he was exceptional okay. and marvelous, and I was so moved by his physical, facial, emotional transformation in the healing process. I I just think he's such a star. Um, I just I really enjoyed having him back in the franchise as well. And it's just, you know, to to do that sort of best part of 20 years apart is quite interesting. Hmm. Doc Ock still dies, though, doesn't he? When he goes back to his universe, because Spider-Man doesn't kill him. He dies because he actually does see the light, doesn't he, at the end? Yeah, he does. And uh, he dies trying to get rid of his... But it's already gone too far, but they fixed it. it. Well, this is the thing. It sort of depends on what happens, because they fix other yeah. people who, if they weren't in that state at the end of the film, they couldn't have been killed or done the things they did. So did they fix them and now those films are different? Well, I think what they were saying is that if we send, if we send them back now, and when they were talking about, oh, I was doing so-and-so, and then, oh, wait a second, then I was here, it's always... Yeah, all of them are saying I was literally in a fight with Spider-Man at the time. So, and then the Spider-Man that we've seen are older Spider-Man. It's so all the point at which past. it's the point at which they find out he's Peter Parker during the fight. Yeah, but what? So what I'm saying is that they, when they go back to their um, their universes, assuming they go back exactly the same time that they left then they are fighting younger versions of their Peter Parkers. So those Peter Parkers won't know what has happened, will they? Because it's not like the Andrew Garfield we saw also went back and then was having that fight. Because they're from different times, aren't they? But that would always have happened. Therefore, their younger selves would have experienced the change that has happened. Because they're not running at parallel times. No, but at at when the point when they actually go back, mm. they're not then going to be across the fight from exactly the the Andrew 
and Toby that we've that have experienced that no. killed them. Yeah, but they will now not be evil. Yeah, but Doc Ock, like I said, he wasn't actually killed by Spider Man anyway, was he? He was. He died trying to or, or successfully stopping his machine. So the fact that he is now no longer controlled by his arms makes no difference. He either decides to sacrifice himself and stop the machine or he lets the machine blow up New York. But I think that the machine doesn't have to blow up New York because this is earlier. Is it? Yeah, because he doesn't come once he's seen the light. He comes before when he finds out that Peter is... That's earlier in the film, is it? Slightly. Well, and, and this, so this is where it doesn't work. Let's let's not do Alfred Molina. Let's do William Defoe. He finds out he's Spider Man halfway through the film and goes and attacks Aunt May. So we're yeah. saying at that point he has now no longer got the serum in in him. Technically, no longer the Green Goblin, although potentially somewhat unhinged. Mm. So the rest of that film doesn't play out. Doesn't play out. Yeah. Which changes so some changes things. things. So that creates presumably another tangent. So what what we're saying is that these people have been brought over and they're creating new multiverses. And whereas the Spider-Men's who are still alive and are the only characters who are still alive, kind of, Mm. are being brought over at the now because they're still alive. Whereas everyone else is either the point where they found out or the point where they died and stopped existing in in the multiverse. We're not sure. Thomas Hayden Church, does he know who Peter Parker is? Does he know this thing? That's... Apparently. I mean, he must have he to. He Peter, doesn't he? When he yeah. arrives. Yeah. Yeah, he so does. does he find out in the film? Well, that's the thing. I don't think he does find out in the film, but he also doesn't die in the film. So maybe it's a whole... I don't know. Or, or maybe he's told by, by Venom in the film and it just doesn't matter because... Because he does, he does turn to the good, doesn't he, at the end? Uh, I think he, he I think he apologises... For killing Uncle Ben and Toby Maguire, if it gives him, and he flies off on the wind yeah. as sand. Yeah. I mean, and he's not particularly evil. He does just want to go back until he doesn't want to play nice. He wants but to he's... go back then, any as well, though, doesn't he? Yeah, he but he's just very angry reason. about everything. Yeah, he wants the box in order to go back, and yeah, Jamie Fox wants the box in order to destroy it. Yes, to eat it, basically. Mm. <laughs> mm. I did like them bringing in the arc reactor with him. I thought it was a nice. Mm. Yes, that yeah. was cool. That was cool. And and similarly, I loved when Doc Ock's tentacles tentacles yeah. take the nanobots. I'm like, oh, this could be really cool. This could be like amazing action figure science fiction stuff going on. No, no, it's so he can Bluetooth him to his suit. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's new device so is clever. It's so good. It's a very, it's a very Tony thing. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. And it makes it makes me go like. Can we do this in every film? Like, oh, that Green Goblin got glider. Have some nanobots. It's mine now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's blue and red. <laughs> I like what they did with the... Um, this is my final thing, so otherwise we'll just mm. continue on forever. But um, I like what they did with when he got the paint on the suit. So then he turned it inside out. Oh, and it was all the wires, was it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Mm. you saw all the little wires poking out. That was clever. Mm. I thought it was a nice way to give a new suit without it being, particularly as he doesn't have Tony Stark to give him new suits. Mm. Um, Mm. Does that suit then out of commission for some reason? So why does he sew himself a new suit at the end? Because this one's all ripped and bloody. And and the Tony one now can't get off the network and stuff, so... 
Mm. And also, yeah, and the nano one has a big hole in the middle. Well, he gets that back, but I think it's not functional without the start tech, effectively. Okay, so. cool. Mm. It is. It is nice that that also, yeah, the whole thing divorces him from mm-hmm. from the Stark support mm. as well. Mm. Abby, any more? I'm all good. He asked tentatively. Okay. <laughs> so there was a lot in this film. I think we've covered it all. Obviously, if we haven't, if you're sat there raging at me for not talking about <laughs> looks at cast list, looks at cast no, list. No, no, don't. Is don't, there anyone don't, we've not? Don't, because I'll have opinions, Matthew. Yes, we're at 142. If, if you think we should reference Flash Thompson even more, let us know. Oh, you can no, <laughs> clearly not. Um, you can, as ever, you can find us on Instagram. We're at Eloquent Gushing, and and all the other places you would find us at Eloquent Gushing. You can find Abby. At this AE show. And you can find Laura. At Laura Geeks Out. We will be back, expecting to be back March and April for Moonlight. Maybe there are other films to talk about in the meantime. Maybe there are other things we might do as specials. But keep your eyes out for what's coming. And we will be back to talk more Marvelous Marvelous.